feel like this is where we're supposed to be, so maybe it's more, it's, it's, it's always more for me than what it is for you all, and, uh, and, and I truly mean that, I mean, and uh, I just, uh, it already has been, I, I feel like this is where we're supposed to, where we're supposed to be spending the next however long a time till the Lord says go somewhere else, how's that, how's that sound, so, I mean, I don't know what else to, that's the only thing I can, only thing I'm trying to do is just try to get direction from him, and so hoping it'll it'll be a help to all of us. Like I said, I've already uh, just a little bit of what little bit I have this morning has been a um, just looking at the first few verses and reading kind of introduction and, and things like that. Just kind of opened my eyes to some things that uh, just in these first three verses that um, I don't know. I just really hadn't thought a whole lot about before. I'll just put it that way, and you know, maybe just kind of read them as as uh, as introduction verses, maybe if that makes sense. And didn't really give a whole lot of thought to what uh, what the writer's telling us here. But uh, but anyway, I think we all probably know that the book of Acts was was written by Luke, and uh, you know, in the Bible they refer to Luke as the as the beloved physician in, in many places, and uh, we know that. Luke was a close companion of Paul, you know, and I think sometimes I forget about things like that because when you start looking at somebody, some of these men, and and they were all great men of God. I mean, all these men. I mean, needless to say, if they were called by God and moved by God to write part of God's word, they were great men of God, no doubt, and had a, a just incredible touch of the Spirit upon them, without a doubt. But I think sometimes I, when I read through and think about these men, I don't think so much of them as, as maybe working together as, as maybe as much as we should. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, what would it have been like? We, we spent so much time in First and Second Corinthians and talking about Paul and all the things that he went through. Well, he, I mean, he certainly was probably facing the brunt, but there was a lot of folks like Luke who was there with him. I mean, Luke was there a lot with him. I mean, from what, you know, what little bit I've read and could tell. And, um, you know, I just think that uh, we're not in this thing by ourselves, you know. I mean, you know, I think sometimes, you know, the world and, the, you know, the, 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 I'm just going to say it, you know, the, the devil, man, he can, he can really work on us if we let him, and, you know, and he can, and he's not going to let up, okay, you know, but we got to, we're not in this thing by ourselves. Number one, we got the power of God with us and within us, and he's, and he's going to help us, and he's going to strengthen us all the way, okay. He promises that. He's already told us that if we're saved. And, uh, but we've got, you know, we've got church family, we've got folks that will pray, and, and I'm glad for that. We're not in this thing alone. We're, I mean, we're, we're laboring, but we're not doing it by ourselves, okay? And, and I'm glad for that this morning. But uh, just like with, with Paul, he wasn't in it by himself. I mean, he, he knew who he was in it for, but he wasn't in it by himself. He did have folks with him, and Luke was one of them. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but um, Luke may have been a, he may have gotten saved because he heard Paul preach. I don't know. You know, I couldn't find anything to, to document that, but it's something to think about. I mean, certainly somewhere along the way, he got saved because he, he wasn't a Jew. He was a, he was a Gentile, you know. So, but, uh, you know, one thing I just want to kind of mention is Luke was a doctor. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I mean, he was a very educated person, you know, when you think about that in the, in the times of that they lived in, he and Paul both, and uh, highly intelligent folks, I would say, and uh, both of them were highly intelligent men, 
And we can see this in their writings in the Bible, and I know that's because they had the touch of God on them. But, I mean, just the fact that he was a doctor, and we know Paul's history, all his education, his upbringing, both of them, highly intelligent men. But most importantly, they were men of a high spiritual level. You know, I mean, that was even the meaning. And the fact that, uh, the fact that God chose Luke to write the gospel, according to Luke, and to write the book of Acts, I mean, it confirms... And I want you to listen, to me, it confirms even more, there are no accidental writers of the Bible. I don't care what people say. People want to question the Bible and God's word. I mean, it was not an accident, okay? It was not, these men were moved upon by the Lord, by God Almighty to write this book, and they were were called for his purpose. And I mean, that's just, that's the truth. And, you know, the we know that the power of the Holy Spirit, like I said, moved upon Luke and Paul to write the books of the Bible that they authored. But my comment about them being highly intelligent men, intellectual people, you know, the Bible, I thought about 1 Corinthians one twenty six, what it says about those that are, that are um, you know, the mighty, if you want to call it that. I'm just going to turn back here and read it to you. 1 Corinthians one twenty six says this, says, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, and, we, and we've heard that preached on and taught on, but you think, not very many, okay, only because men don't want, choose not to listen. But boy, I'm, I'm glad to say that uh, there's a few, there's some, and you know, when we think about this, we think about Paul, and we think about Luke. I mean, these men had to, had, they had to come the Lord's way just like we did one day. They had to ask Christ into their hearts just like we did. And just because, just because they, were, they were highly intelligent folks, you know, the power of God's got a whole lot more power than any kind of intelligence level that man has, and anything that man has. And I, I just, um, you know, I, I'm glad of that. I mean, he can... Uh, he can move us and show us things that nobody else can, and he does, and he has for those of us that are saved this morning. I mean, he's shown us one day that we needed Christ in our life. We needed to be saved. We needed the Lord. And uh, he, showed, he showed these men the same thing. But not only was Luke a doctor, but he was a great historian as well. I mean, from what I read, there was a man, I can, and his name slips my my memory here, but in the late, if I remember right, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a lot of criticism, I think, going on from what I, a little bit I read, a lot of criticism and and questioning the off, you know, the authenticity of certain books of the Bible, Acts, Luke, I mean, not just those, but a lot of them, and I thought, well, how things have not changed, how today people are still questioning the authenticity of the Bible, but and there was a, there was a, a, I can't remember his name, but he was of this group, very, again, well-educated people, group supposedly, you know, thinking they know everything, but, and they were some of the front runners of questioning all this, and they were very much against and questioned it and so more. Then one of these men, I wish I could remember his name, I should have wrote it down, but um, he, he, he decided, he said, you know, I, w- I want to figure out for myself if it really is true or not, if these books really are. And he went, and he went all the way back through history, and he, he was actually, a, I can't remember if he was an archaeologist or not, I don't, I don't think so, but he was a very learned man. He was what? A lawyer? Maybe. I think maybe so. I think it was. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I mean, and this, this man, he, he, he went through, he studied everything 
that was in the, that Luke writes, especially in the, in the book of Acts, but even in, in, in the gospel of Luke as well. The locations, the people, everything panned out exactly, geographically, exactly, time-wise, everything as to what he said. And he was, and needless to say, because of that, the man got saved. I mean, he come to realize that, yeah, God's word is truth. It is God's word. So um, I just think it's, you know, it's interesting. I think so many times we read, but we don't think about maybe all the details. Luke is very detailed. I mean, if you go back to the Gospel of Luke and you read, you just, just read the first couple of chapters, and he shows a lot. He gives very much detail about the birth of Christ and, and talking about the lineage and things like that. I mean, very detailed. So, um, like I said, he gives a lot of documentation, a lot of details, accurate locations. I mean, names of people. I think somewhere I read that in the book of Acts, he calls out like a hundred different specific names of people. I mean, to me, that's somebody who wants to, people to understand specifically what happened. He wanted, to, he wanted to be correct in what he was doing. He wanted to be accurate in what he was doing. So, I liked what uh, J. Vernon McGee was kind of read a little bit about what he had to say about the kind of like the book of Luke, or book of Luke, book of Acts at a high level. And um, he said that in his regard, in, t- in terms of Luke, he felt like that if we were thinking of him in today's time, that back in his time, he would have been regarded as a scientist. That's how much education, how much learning the man had. But yet, he realized, even with all that learning, that there was something a whole lot more important, a whole lot higher than all of mankind's learning that he could get a hold of, and that was Almighty God. So when we look at, at Luke and Paul, we can kind of see their backgrounds and their education would draw them kind of together. You know, I mean, that, that's what I kind of found interesting when you think about things like that. And, of course, I know that it was the power of God that pulled them together and had them serve and labor for him together. But So when we look at, like, chapter 1 here in Acts, and... When we look at verses 1 through 11, we kind of see a summary, if I can use that word, um, a summary of sorts of the life of Christ. And these verses are really like an introduction to me, verses 1 through 11. But it's a real important introduction. And I didn't really, like I said, I hadn't really paid a whole lot of attention to it before. But um, Luke gives us, it's really a bridge when we look at these first 11 verses, it's like there's a bridge here that he's given us, taking us from the Gospels to the book of Acts. I mean, he's kind of filling in the gap from the time that Christ lived on the earth and he left and the time now that, that, he's, that he's come back and he's, he's given us, again, he's given us a summary here. I'm not getting it out very well this morning. but So, um, like, like I said, an important bridge from the Gospels to the book of Acts in these verses. And we know the Gospels are the accounts of the life of Christ while he was here on earth, his ministry and his life. And people witnessed him, and I want you to think about this, people witnessed him and the power of God within him. I mean, those that were alive when he walked the face of the earth, they witnessed that. They saw the power of God within him. They saw it displayed. We weren't there. But he gave us something, though, when we got saved, that's, that's just as much real as what it was actually seeing him, and that's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, you know, when you think about that. But people witnessed that, and at the beginning of Acts, here at the beginning, Christ says he's ascended back to heaven, but as we move forward into Acts, what we see is Christ himself still working here on earth, even though he's not here, okay? But through the Holy Spirit which was embodied in the apostles 
and not in those around them, is directing them to continue the ministry that he himself started. I mean, that's really what, that's really what the essence of the book of Acts is all about when we're, as we move in and start studying it. It's the fact that Christ, is, he's, he's moved from being here on earth to heaven, but his purpose and his power has not left. It's just like, and it's, saying, it's here today as well. His purpose, his power, through those of us that are believers are the same, is to spread the gospel, to live for him, to serve him, spread the gospel. So, um, like I said, his power through the Holy Spirit embodied within the apostles is what's, as we move forward, is what's going to be directing them to continue the ministry. So when we look at chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, I just want to share a couple of thoughts that J. Vernon McGee had. And this will kind of, when I'm talking about a bridge, think about this. In chapter 1, when we, when I'm not going to, we're not going to get to chapter 1, maybe a little bit, a few verses today, but when you look at verses 1 through 11, probably the entire book of, of chapter 1, probably all of chapter 1, you're really going to see just this, this kind of like summarization of, of what happened from the time that Christ was crucified to where he resurrected, and then what happened in between where he came back, the 40 days that he spent, and then the time before that he then forward going forward that he ascended back to heaven. And it's all a summary to kind of set the, set the stage, so to speak, of what's going to happen here in the book of Acts as we move forward, if that makes sense. I hope I'm, I hope I'm making sense. I don't feel like I'm getting it out very well this morning. But, so, but think, about these, think about these four things. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the last recorded fact, and you can go back and check because I went back and checked. So you all can go back and check if you, if you doubt what I'm saying. But the last recorded fact about Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is the resurrection. It's the last thing that's mentioned at the end of, the, of that gospel. That's mentioned here in Acts chapter 1, okay, his, his resurrection. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing, in the gospel of Mark, the last recorded act of Jesus, if I can put it that way, is the ascension, okay? And that's recorded here in chapter 1 of Acts, okay? The third thing, in the Gospel of Luke, the last recorded fact about Jesus. And what I mean, when I say the last recorded fact, I'm talking about at the end of the Gospel, one of the la- those last set of verses, okay? The last recorded fact in Luke about Jesus is the promise of the Holy Spirit, which again is recorded in chapter 1 of Acts. I mean, think about I mean, I, y'all, think about this. I mean, Luke has taken... I mean, a summarization of what all that Christ did, his, again, I said it before, but his, his, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his, he put all of this, and he's pulled it back in together in like 11 verses in chapter 1 of Acts to give us this. And then in the Gospel of John, the last recorded fact about Jesus is his second coming. He's coming back. I got news for you. He's coming back. I don't care what folks say. I mean, you know, we, we need to pray for him. We need to continue to work to get the gospel out. But he's coming back one of these days. I don't know when, but he's coming back. He's coming back. All four of those things are in these first 8, 11 verses of chapter 1 of Acts. And in verse 8, probably the most, one of the most, not, I won't say the important, another important fact. Verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. It confirms and documents again for us what? The great missionary commission. I mean, that's one of the most important things for us as believers to understand is we're to continue the work 
We're to continue to get the word out. And, um, that's, and that appears in all four Gospels without saying. So anyway, I just think that when you read these verses, it's sometimes we read them and we move on. And a lot of times it's, it's best if we just kind of read some and spend some time at least. Like I tell you, this is, uh, this is more for you all than what it is for me. It works on me a whole lot longer and a whole lot more than, than it does before I ever get up here and try to share with you all. But I'm thankful for God's word. I tell you, I'm thankful that he wants to share his word with us. I mean, you know, I just, I'm sorry. I've said it before, but it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. And it's a wonderful thing to know that God wants to help us to grow and to share his word with us so that we can live for him and be of service for him. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. And I just, I just think this introduction, this little, what we see here in Acts is just, these verses are just pretty, are pretty powerful, I, I believe so. So I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. You're all probably saying, thank goodness. But anyway, I, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I read over this and I just thought, you know, I never thought about all this being packed in to these first few verses of the book of Acts. I just never, and how many times have I read through those? How many times have I read about, you know, we, we're all, we all know the verse where, you know, about where the, the men say, why do you stand there looking? He's coming back. I mean, we're all familiar with that, but... Anyway, verse 1 says, The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, you know, right off the bat, one of the first things that I'd kind of always thought was a little different was how Luke started this. He says, the former treatise have I made. And a lot of times I just kind of read over that and just kept on going. But there's a reason he said that. There's a purpose in in the reason that he said that because does anybody know what that word means, treatise? That's right. Yep, yep. It's a, he's referring to his own, but he's referring back to the Gospel of Luke is what he's doing when he says that. That's what he's, that's what he's telling us. And a treatise is a composition. I, that's kind of the word I use. That's what Webster used. 1828 Webster. Let me, par, let me qualify that. That is written on a particular subject. And, and here's the thing. Listen to what it says. The principles and the details of that subject are explained in the treatise. Back to my thing about Luke wanting to be so sure of all the details and how he gives so much detail in his writings. And he's telling us here, in right off the bat, first few words in verse 1 of Acts, that he's written the principles and the details of the life of, of Jesus Christ while he was here on earth in the Gospel of Luke. That's what he's saying. He's saying, go back and look. He said, now I'm going to bring you forward from what I told you in Luke. I'm bringing you forward to the book of Acts if that makes sense, okay? If it doesn't, tell me. So he's talking about his ministry, his actions, and his teachings, and I'm talking about Christ. So he goes on and he says, the former treatise have I made, and immediately he mentions this person's name, O. Theophilus. And I wondered about that. I thought, well, who was this person? And, you know, He's evidently pretty important because if you go back to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, you will see, let me flip back there, 
I think it's verse 3, chapter 1. When he starts writing the book of Luke, he says, For as much as many, I'm just going to read you the first couple of verses. For as many as have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the, the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. I mean, this person must have been pretty close to Paul or pretty important to Paul, or he was wanting to try to communicate to him some type of, of means to grow into God's work. I mean, something. There was something there because he's addressed here, and he's addressed again in the book, and right off of here in, in the very first verse of Acts. And he says, most excellent Theophilus. And like I said, he continues to address this man again in, in Acts. He must have been special. I mean, I know God had a special purpose for him. I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have identified him. There was a special reason. Tom's grinning. I don't know if he's got a thought or not. But, but if... <laughs> but... but um, when I look back here at, at Luke at the introduction, and, you know, they don't know for sure who this man can't say for certain, okay, who he was. But he was, like I said, he, he was a real person, no doubt. Okay. Okay. All right. So he goes on and he says, Most excellent Theophilus, about whom nothing else is known other than that he is also the recipient of the book of Acts. This is what it says in, in the introduction of my Bible in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Says the, now listen to what it says, though. The Greek name Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God and implies that he was a Gentile, and this says probably Greek. Um, says he seems to have been maybe a relatively new believer, maybe recently instructed about Jesus and the, and the Christian faith. But here's the thing, the title Most Excellent, and this I found interesting because Paul uses this term later on. I know we're talking about Luke, but Paul used it too at times, most excellent. If you remember when he was talking, I think it was Festus. I think he said most excellent. I mean, this person was probably somebody of, of rank, okay? I had some, held some kind of a, you know, maybe into the government or something. I'm not sure, but that's, that's my thought. Tom, what do you, what do you? That's good. That's good. That's good. And that's the only, I checked my concordance. That's the only two places his name, that word's used, that name's mentioned, is these verses I just mentioned to you. So, But, again, God's Word's just full of good things for us. I mean, all we got to do is look. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of things he wants to give to us. So, so Luke here, he's bringing us forward from the details of the Gospels to the details of what's going to happen. Okay, that's, that's really what he's doing, and he's kind of preparing us here. And also what did happen. He's given us, you know, details. As the apostles were going to continue the, the ministry of Christ, like I said, under his direction and power. And when you look at verse 2, verse 2 here in Acts, he says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that, listen to what it says, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. All that's real important, but, I mean, it's a, it's a powerful, insightful verse. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus is still in total control of his ministry. 
okay? I mean, he was in total control back then, and he's still in total control today. And, but he simply moved locations. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I like that. I think J. Vernon McGee said, I mean, he just kind of moved locations. I mean, headquarters was down here on earth. Now headquarters is right up on the right hand of God, on the throne. I mean, that's where he's at, but he's still directing everything. I don't know about you all, but that makes me feel a whole lot better. When I get down and, and start drudging and dragging and complaining and grumbling, I need to be reminded. He's still on the throne. And even more than that, I'm part of his family. You know what? So I need, to, I need to quit grumbling and I need to pick it up and get my chin up and start thinking about him more than I'm thinking about me. So, and I'm talking to myself right now. So, Yeah, I, I was reading those verses and I thought about that very same thing. And, it's, and you know, it's, it's interesting too how that the subtitles, if you look at your Bible, I mean, it may even say, and, I, and it was one of the other ones of mine I've got at the house, it's not this one. This one just says Judas is replaced by Matthias, or Matthias, however you want to pronounce it. But my, one of the other ones said something about, I don't know, it, it said it differently, and I thought, well, I don't know, that, that subtitle says that, but that's not what God's Word says. So, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just funny, when you look at things and you start thinking about it, it's like, God will show us, and, and I, I, I'm, with, I'm with Pastor Tom, I think it's just another lesson for us as people, that we got to be careful that we don't get ahead of the Lord, that we're seeking his direction. And potentially that could be, that's probably what the apostles did. I'm not talking bad about them. They're, they're way mighty better men than, me, than I'll ever be. Tension was good. That's right. They were doing the, that's right. Yep. That's the, yep. You're taking all my notes for... <laughs> I haven't even written them yet, but those are the ones I was going to write. <laughs> it'll be a couple weeks before we get there. Everybody, you all forget by the end. Yeah, it'll be new by the end. So, anyway, uh, so again, in verse two, through the Holy Spirit, He gave commandments to His chosen apostles. So, uh, and today He's still speaking. I mean, I, again, I like this. I said it before, but He's still speaking and directing His followers the same exact way. It's he's directing us through the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what he's seeking to do. Now, whether we're listening and whether we're allowing him to be directed, allowing ourselves to be directed, that's up to us individually and personally. But his, that's his purpose. So, anyway, to continue the work that he started. Well, I tell you what, I need to dwell more on that and more on what's going on around me. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. He's called us to continue his work. That's why we're here. That's why I'm still alive. I mean, I believe, not that I'm anybody special, but he's called each and every one of us sitting here that's saved. The reason we're still sitting here, the reason we're still walking around is because he's still using us to continue his work. I mean, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you all, but I mean, that makes me, I feel something when I say that. He's called us to do that. What a privilege. What a privilege it is. But uh, verse 3, he says, to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I tell you what, in these first two, this, verse two and verse three, all three verses, I mean, he's, he has put a lot of information into three verses of scripture here for us. I'm telling you, a lot of information. But verse three, I'll just say praise the Lord. 
I mean, honestly. I mean, he went to the cross. I mean, what Luke is telling us here, he's, he's telling us that he went to the cross of Calvary and gave his life on the cross of Calvary for the sins of all mankind. That includes us. But he rose from the dead on the third morning, and he's alive today. And Luke wants us to know that Jesus Christ, he lived and he ministered on this earth, and he died, but he did not stay dead. He's not dead. He's alive. I got, you know, we know that this morning. And not only that, he rose from the dead. And here's the thing. He ministered on this earth for 40 more days before he left. And, you know, you think about this. I mean, to me, that may be even more significant to us in today's time than what his original, him being on earth. Because I never saw him here on earth. You know, none of us did. But you know what? His, his presence, when he came back and rose, that's our, that's our hope. Right there, I mean, the gospel, the resurrection is essential to the gospel. I mean, without the resurrection, there, I mean, there is no gospel. And I mean, that's what Luke's telling us here. He's trying to get us regrounded as we move forward to say, look, Christ is still just as powerful as he always was, and it's because he died and he rose, and that's why this morning. And that's why he is the Savior, our Lord and Savior this morning. So I say praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. And if you turn to, I'm going to read this and I'm going to quit. I cannot read two verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 3 and 4. And Paul, you know, I tell you, if you, if you read, you go through and read the, the books that Paul wrote, this was essential. Paul, I mean, the thing that he focused on time and time again was the resurrection of Christ. And if you don't believe me, go back and read his books and he'll, you'll, you, you'll get confirmed. But verse 3 says this, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. I say, I serve a Lord this morning that's alive and well, irregardless of what's going on in the world. He's alive and well this morning. And I say, glory to his name.